1001 Books, the podcast where we read the 1001 books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're worth your time. I'm Nicole, a lover of Harry Potter and historical fiction. And I'm Chelsea. I also love Harry Potter and I'm a big fan of any book that will make me cry. Though none have done it lately. Really? Yeah. Before we get into my reading life, what have you been reading lately? Um, I, well, I recently went on a trip and I got to read a lot, which is fun. I read the podcast book for this week and in basically 24 hours, I read all of Still Me by Jojo Moyes. Moyes? Moyes? How do you say I don't know, Moyes. Um, I think Moyes. I would say Moyes, who, but I don't know if that's how. Yeah, I, who I love, and I've read like 90% of her books, I would say, and I've liked pretty much all of them. Uh, and this is the third one in like the Me Before You trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that trilogy is, is like I like Me Before You fine, but the second and third ones I thought were great. Like I like them way more because oh. it kind of is just about her like learning how to deal with grief and like wanting to reinvent herself, you know, and it did without any of the moral complexity of the first one. And so very definitely recommend it. What have you been reading lately? So I've actually, as I kind of alluded to a second ago, been a little bit of a slump. March is just the month of hell for teachers. There's a lot mm. of memes about how hard March is because it's just one of those months where there's not any breaks. Spring is starting. There's not even a long weekend and it's four to six weeks, not March itself, but like a six week stretch of just school that ends in March and it is just, it's just hell. So I kind of have had the last week, I haven't really read anything. I've done a lot of picking up a book, reading one chapter, putting it down, picking up another book, reading one chapter, putting it down. Um, I read 85% of the podcast book today, even just out of (laughs) obligation to finish it. Um, and so it's been one of those, sometimes life is like that. (laughs) Yeah. It stretches of weeks. And I guess we'll just, we'll see and hopefully it picks back up and the slump ends. But yeah. what do you usually do to get out of a reading slump? Um, usually I just don't force myself to stick with a book until I find one that like entrances me. I mean, yeah. all the books I have right now are books I want to read. I know I'll come back to them, but it's just not working. And we have a book club that you're leading this weekend that I need to read the book for that. So yeah. And it's pretty t- intense book. So it's, oh, like, I it's a, it's a memoir. Yet. It's, it's intense. So I haven't started it yet. So yeah. we'll see how that goes. And then the book for next week's podcast. So I bet, I bet I don't come out of this slump until spring break starts in seven school days. Thank God. Yeah. I feel like what I usually do if I'm in a slump is that I reread some like young adult fantasy book. Like I'll reread Harry Potter or I'll reread mm-hmm. the Throne of Glass series or like I'll reread um, Graceling or something something yeah. that I have on hand in the house that I've read before and that I can read really fast and that really absorbs me. And then I'll be want to pick up and something I more serious. Like, I didn't pick up Harry Potter. I could probably do that. But it wasn't like that dire. But like I picked up books that normally I'd be like, yeah, I'll read this just was not I know sometimes you just want to watch TV like when you're stressed at work I usually just want to watch TV well and it wasn't even that I like I wanted to read but I would just like read a chapter like meh and then I'd read a chapter of a different book and I'd be like meh so yeah I spent a lot of time book hopping like yeah did you start I noticed that you have the third book in the Illumini trilogy on your shelf did you start that no because I want to reread the first two and I read the first book and stop. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to read that so I can borrow it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to get to it before next Wednesday. You could probably borrow no, it. No, I don't think I could read it and the podcast book before next Wednesday. <laughs> and the book club book. And Well, I'm, I only have like a quarter of that left. Yeah. 
Speaking of which, readers, so I'm, I'm starting a second book project in my life where I'm helping lead a women's book club where we're going to read books about social justice issues. And so we're reading uh, When They Call You a Terrorist, uh-huh. which is like a memoir um, by one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. And I'm like three quarters in and it's really good. Highly recommended. I also, but also, but also it. like it is, but it's easy to read because a lot of it. Like, the first half is all just, like, her life growing up before you even get to, like, Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin and Black Lives Matter starting. Um, but it's still, like, and still intense, but it reads easy because it's just, it's very, like, narrative and nice, good flow. It has a good flow. And the cover is really pretty. The cover of this book <laughs> is, like, spot on. It's yes. great. So, all right. Also, we can start talking about our book we read this week, I guess. Okay, great. So, our book this week is called The Witness, and it is by Juan Jose Sayer. Yeah, he's from Argentina. He is an Argentinian author who, this book was originally published in 1983, and it was translated in 1990. It is about 167 pages long, so it's a real short book this time around. Yes, yes. Um, Well, if you had to describe The Witness in one word, Chelsea, what would your word be? Ugh. Yuck. That's your word. It's just a a feeling. It's not a word. It probably sounded... There's no words for your feeling. That sound was probably real great to our listeners' ears. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Um, I think that I I said the word worldview because this book is... um, It's kind of dressed up as like a historical fiction narrative, but actually it's more of a fable. Um, And so... And it's a lot about like why we how we why we think about the world the way we think about it um and I, I when we were picking our words I was like I want to say witness but that's the title so yeah. I had to go with worldview um so to give you guys a little one or two sentence quick plot summary of this book I would we would say uh, a man is on a voyage in the 1600s and he's captured by natives and lives among them for 10 years mm-hmm. somewhere in like the like West Indies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he witnesses their society as a whole, including their cannibalism and orgies. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> is what this is about. So this is not an episode for children's ears. No. <laughs> there's going to be some weird stuff in there. So going forward, we're going to get more into the plot of the book. So consider this your spoiler alert. Uh, if you want to read the book first, come back at the time that is designated in the show notes, and we will talk about other stuff. Yeah. So... Let's give a little bit more plot summary. So I can do that since. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can give the plot. Okay, summary. Okay, give the plot That's summary. Really fine. So the author of this story, or the narrator of this story, doesn't isn't ever named. He's kind of like an anonymous narrator, and he starts out the story as a young boy who's going. He's been orphaned. He's going on this sea voyage to the New World. Right after traveling to the New World, really became a thing, like from Portugal, and so or S- Portugal, definitely Portugal or Spain. I thought it was Portugal. Maybe it was Spain. One or the other. Doesn't matter. Um, one of the first countries that that would come. At one to point in the novel, world. they say a city that's in Portugal, so that's why I just oh. assumed. But um, <laughs> so then they they land on one of I think in the Indies somewhere. Yeah. And the on their first joy voyage inland, the it's like an undiscovered island that they see and they stop at. Yes, yeah. all of the other members of his party of his initial like search party not the group that's on the boat, are just murdered, and he's left alive. And so the boat then leaves, mm-hmm. and he is taken into this native society um, where he watches them proceed to cook and cut and eat his previous shipmates. Right. And then they end eating them with, like, 
a alcohol, which it sounded more like a drug almost, like drug and alcohol. Yeah, maybe like a peyote type, like hallucinogenic alcohol Infused drug orgy. Thing. Yeah. And then he stays with them. He's with them for 10 years. And so then he watches this society over the 10 years, and they're just like a normal society. And very like sober, like not like a lot of fun or like yeah. at all. Very serious people, except for once a year. Once a year. They kill they people. send men yeah. out to bring people back. And every time they send men out to bring people back, they let one person survive as the witness, basically. I right. mean, is where the title right. comes from. And so 10 years after the fact, another group lands on this island and they send him back to his people and right. let him live because he's the witness. And then it briefly goes through the rest of the narrator's life where he um, tells his story in a theater troupe and then realizes that that kind of, he's like not like bastardizing what happened to him almost. Mm-hmm. And he regrets that he ends up adopting some children and settling down and I mean, a, like a, a wealthy man mm-hmm. uh, in Spain. Yeah. A printer, a, print a printer. Yeah. yeah. And it's like he, and then as he gets older, he's like reflecting on his experiences and, and about how he, he's never been able to fully fit back into the society he came, he came from because, um, and he wasn't able to fully fit in with the like natives that mm-hmm. he was with on this island. Um, and also reflecting on how probably those natives were completely wiped out by the people that rescued him. And similar to the sea, uh, even more directly than the sea, it's very clear that it's him writing just a stream of consciousness of what happened. Right. Yeah. It's And there's, there's no chapter breaks. It's just like 160 and pages. And occasionally it'll like reference stuff. back and say, as I sit here in this chair now, I think mm. about it, which the C kind of did little like side eye things like that. Like as he sits in his chair and looks yeah. at his writing. So um, that was interesting. It's not like super dense text. I thought it was fine to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like, yeah, exceedingly readable for a translation. It flowed really well. There are no chapters. And I mean, you we know all how know you feel about by that. now <laughs> that I just need a good chapter in my life. <laughs> this book was so, sh- I think it's a point to be made that I read this book on a plane and I read it from cover to cover in one sitting, which is the first time I've ever done that for any book we read in a podcast, which is something I love doing, but these books aren't very conducive to that. But because of circumstances I did. And so I didn't even notice until you said something today that there was no chapters. Cause I just read it as like one thing. Yeah. And it was actually, that was, if I, you're going to read this, that's how I would suggest you read it. Cause it, it works, you know? And I mean, I read it over like two or three sittings. I read the bulk of it as I mentioned earlier today. Um, but I just, I just like chapters. I just, my eyes like the visual break. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. I also, um, before we get into like Thoughts. the part of the, like the fable portion of the story, I did have this, this book is very graphic in the first 50 pages when it's telling the cannibalism. Yeah. It very explicitly describes how they're chopping off people's bodies and what did they that did. really bother you? It did. I yeah, I did not phase me. Have you ever seen the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? I haven't. Oh well, uh, spoiler alert! And there's a scene, there's a part in that movie where two women, like two best friends, uh-huh. kill uh, one of the 
not that's not even on the screen, but they kill one of the husbands because he's abusive. Oh, like goodbye and Earl then, style. Yeah, and then in order to not get caught for it, they have a barbecue restaurant and they cook him and skip, sell him to restauranteurs, including the cops who are investigating the murder. And it's really hilarious, and because they're getting away with it in this most like ridiculous, disgusting way. And so when I was reading that in this book, that's all I could picture, and it just made it not as big of a deal because that that movie is like. It's not even R-rated, right? It's pretty, you know, so like they don't show a lot. So that's all I was picturing when they I was reading it in here. <laughs> I was not doing that. Maybe that would have been better, but I just it was it was rough for me to read and I I think it um it colored my opinion of this novel, especially because directly following that, they have their weird like orgy mm-hmm. that they have um which is fully described as like all members of the society, even young children joining it. Right. And also no like uh barriers between like, well you're my grandfather, whatever. <laughs> like yeah. gross. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and I when we were first talking about talking about this book, you made a point that it is my culture showing, but I just like I can't get past yeah. it. Well and I get that, but I this book is like it's about a culture that even in the universe of the novel is wiped out now, right? Yeah. And it is true that on like I that the people that were originally native to all the like islands in the Caribbean were just completely there's complete genocide, right? Mm-hmm. And the people who live there now are like descendants of the settlers and the slaves that yeah. were sent there. And um and so we don't know very much, as far as I know, about any of those cultures that existed and they were probably all completely unique from each other, mm-hmm. hundreds of different societies, um, that are totally wiped out. And so I just I just feel like because this book kind of feels like he's an explorer discovering new lands and he's thinking about new peoples. I just feel like we can't put our 21st century American morality um, on this like society that is wiped out. Cause we don't know. Cause maybe if these people in this book or in real life had were alive in the 21st century, they probably, I don't think they'd be doing that anymore, but you know, yeah. but like, I just, I just feel like we can't impose it. And and I think I only thought about it that way because of this, this is, that's the kind of book this is where it's like, we're looking back, you know, it's a fable. We're mm-hmm. like thinking about the complexities of human nature. You know, if it was, if it was more direct, I, I think it would have bothered me more. And I guess that again, I mean, I think I feel like constantly within this, I, I'm more critical as a reader unless I enjoy books where I'm asked to step out of that comfort zone of what I like less than you do, I think. Um, and like the fable, I, I just, I didn't like it. Um, I, I think there is some good stuff to talk about in it, but it just, it's, I, I couldn't get past that there was a man in 1965 writing a book about 1980, 1980, writing a book about uh, cannibalism and describing it so well. And then just casually mentioning, oh, and then the children were in the orgy, too. But I think that's like what was so interesting, because this guy who wrote this is Argentinian. And so people in South America today are descendants of people native to that place and of Spanish people and Portuguese people. Right. It's a big it's a mix. Right. Mm -hmm. And Argentina is like, I know, very diverse, like racially and stuff. And uh, and so that's it made it even because it's like. Because if American was writing this or a person from Europe, it would be a different story than, than he, it's him. It's like trying to understand where we came from 
you know, and in a way that is different than if a white person had written it because he's from not from that specific area, but from that general big region of the world, mm-hmm. um, which I think I just like the fable thing. I I think it's a great storytelling tool. And um, I was trying to think of like other I know I've read other books that I would put in this category of. You know, it looks like it's just like a straightforward mm-hmm. story about something, but actually it's more of a fable. But I can't think of one specifically. Um, but I I don't know. I like it. I like the rhythm of it uh, and the way that this feels like something you like something in like an oral tradition. That's what it reads like to me. And I, I hear what you're saying and I hear all those things and I'm like, maybe I should like it more, but I just didn't. Well, yeah, you can't can't help for that. But. Um, so there's that. <laughs> Um, okay, so well, so one thing I thought was really interesting in this book was that um, in the end of the book when the guy, the main guy is like he's already home in, in Spain or Portugal or wherever, mm-hmm. he um, is talking like reflecting back on his experiences and he's realizing that, like over the 10 years, you know, he slowly picked up their language. He slowly learned um, what and he like tried to understand their culture and their way of thinking about mm-hmm. the world. And he basically what he uncovers is that he thinks that their belief is that like the world only exists because they're working to make it perfect. And if they make any slip up, Mm -hmm. then the world would cease to exist. So that's why they're like, they're so clean. And that 99% of the year, they're so sober and like orderly and they do things in a strict regimen because it's their job to keep the world going. And, Mm -hmm. and that's like their spiritual like belief system, which I think is a really interesting idea because, uh, Man, I feel like if that would make life so hard. Yeah. Because if you if you messed up personally, something that you personally regretted, it would mean something catastrophic at like a universe level, mm-hmm. which is just a huge like a huge weight on like in personal moral decisions. It's like that's so heavy. Uh, I, I don't know how you can was, live with that. Mm. I thought it was interesting that um the like the tribe of people that had created this idea, the main tribe in this story, um, it wasn't like they were 100% isolated, though. Like, they had mm-hmm. interactions with other tribes. And so I thought I thought it was odd that they had built this worldview that they it all depended on them when they had interaction with other people who had different ideas. Well, I think they must have just, like, otherized those other groups. Like, because there was... Um other they other groups mentioned that look them down on them mm-hmm. for eating people and then other groups who who they thought wanted to be eaten other tribes and they look down on those people mm-hmm. and because that would be like a shameful thing um and but i just feel like it must have just been like well we're the moral center of the universe our people which i feel like every civilization thinks, thinks that. that but this is just like on a smaller scale mm-hmm. smaller groups of people um i did think the one thing I really found interesting in this book that I'm sure you probably appreciated too is I liked the idea of the reason they saved at one person from every time they mm-hmm. did these killings was so that there would be a witness. And yeah. what they did is when that person came to join them, they were constantly like trying to show some exaggerated version of their strengths. Mm-hmm. So, um, they were, it talked about how like the hunter was trying to say that he was the best hunter throughout his motions. And like, um, they were always making faces to make themselves memorable. Cause for some of them, it didn't even matter if they were remembered for a good reason or just if they were remembered. Right. And so they were leaving these people as a witness. Like if they failed, there'd be someone who would remember what happened, which I also thought was interesting because, 
they thought they were the center of the universe, but they were also sending out these witnesses. Right, but they still wanted to be remembered. I, so, I, yeah, I marked a good quote about that. Um, so the author is speaking. They wanted me to reflect like water the image they gave of themselves, to repeat their gestures and words, to represent th- represent them in their absence. And when they returned me to my fellow creatures, they wanted me to be like a spy or a scout who witnesses something that the rest of the tribe has not yet seen and retraces his steps and recounts it meticulously. Threatened by everything that controls us from the dark and keeps us outside in the open at the day, until the day we are plunged by one sudden capricious gesture back into the indistinct, the Indians wanted there to be a witness to and a survivor of their passage through this material mirage. They wanted someone to tell their story to the world. And so, like, he's their witness when he's there, mm-hmm. seeing the, like, their society and the cannibalism. But then he's also, he ends up being really their one true witness because they're wiped out and he goes back into the Western world and and he's the only one in the world who remembers them. It's like in an ideological sense, but then also in a very real sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it is interesting. I feel like um, it's not, you know, like a crazy thing that, that like in general, each individual feel it's like the feels like they're the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's pretty like human thing. But then, but we also want someone to like really see us. Yeah, I think that's an innate human desire to feel really seen. You know, of which is like some basically saying like someone who sees us in all of our flaws and still loves us. You know, yeah, in a way that is really you know it's almost impossible to really have. Um from another person but like that's what they're looking for their whole like worldview and belief system is based on that Mm -hmm. um which i which i feel like is actually probably true for like most societies but it's like really literal in this because it's a fable (laughs) i i have one quote that i really love from this novel that i really liked from this novel our lives are lived in a place of terrible indifference which recognizes neither virtue nor vice and annihilates us all without compunction without apportioning good or evil and i thought that was really interesting because in a, like in their society, there wasn't really a god for mm-hmm. them. There wasn't really a um, some sort of moral figure. They all were just living because they thought that they needed to be perfect to maintain this world. And I think that um, at a base level, like on a day to day level, separate from your belief system, like it really lo- does look like they're like the world doesn't care is that like the general world doesn't care if you aren't there or not. Like, you know what I mean? The general world doesn't care if you're a good or an evil person. The general world has no control over whether you live or you die. You know what I mean? And so, um, I mean, it's a really fatalistic sentence, but I thought that that was a really interesting sentence. Like, to think about how small in the, in terms of our like whole world you are. And even with, these peoples, uh, people, and this man, like he's, he left that that place. There were only about like a hundred, I think he said, mm-hmm. um, people in that tribe at any given time when he was telling the story, and like walked away and said, like even for them in that small setting, that there was that idea for each yeah. of them. You know what I mean? Like so, even yeah. if it wasn't billions of people, yeah, still, I think it's yeah, it's saying something fundamental which i think is true about human beings that we we all are like secretly in our hearts trying to live up to a perfect standard that we have created internally it might be influenced by things in our cultural but culture but 
like no matter what it's something that really only we know mm-hmm. and we're and we feel guilty when we're not living up to that we feel like we're not living our life to the fullest and we're always trying to achieve like perfection to our individual mm-hmm. standard um and and we want people to acknowledge that that's what we're doing we want to see that that we're trying our best even though the, the standard may vary greatly depending on when mm-hmm. and where you are born you know um but i think i don't know like that didn't save them like living no. that, you know and I think that is kind of what the author is trying to say that that um I don't know it's like because I think I do I think that it matters it matters to try to be a good person however you mm-hmm. define that for yourself but also um it, it takes like a collective huge group to do that mm-hmm. to have an impact on a w- wider societal level I don't know it's deep it makes me think a lot <laughs> it's yeah, I just yeah. I thought that that was just such an interesting yeah. like idea because we as humans don't like to think about that like that our yes contribution exactly. or our life is very small, but it is. Yeah, and I think that there's power in thinking about the fact that it is because then then you start to make your choices because they're the choices that are important to you, not because they're the choices that other people you think other people think you should be making. Right. And it makes that like your small impact still matters. Like the 25 mm-hmm. kids that you teach every year still matter, even though there's thousands and millions yeah. of other kids that same age in the world at the same time, you know, but it still matters to make a difference, even if you're small sphere and the, that that shouldn't be discouraging yeah. to try to be a good person in your small sphere. It should be good. Like that's the way life is. But it's also one of those thoughts you don't want to really sit in for a long time. You're it's like, so uncomfortable. Like yeah. I read it and I was like, yeah, that's true, but I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's like I think this book is good at getting at the heart of that, even though it does it in a weird, weird way. A story about cannibalism that I didn't really need. I like the moral of the story per se. It, I think is I mean, relevant and I did and good. like the idea of that was another thing that made me think about how we have over time. There are so many societies and so many ideas and so many people. Um, and I keep using people in this episode as like a group, not as an individual, which, um, so so many cultures, I should say so many cultures that are like lost and don't have a witness or that they're only, our only witness now is our interpretation of them, which he kind of, I didn't mark the page, but he kind of touched on at one Mm -hmm. point how like, um, the people, um, in the story, the tribe did not have. I guess, did they call themselves a tribe? I'm calling them a tribe, but I'm not sure. I think if they that did or... he calls them a tribe. We don't know what they call yeah. themselves. Yeah. So I'll use his language since it was a narrative. So the tribe um, calls them or doesn't have a word for to be. They oh, only I that was, have yeah. a word for to seem. And yeah, I thought that was he so briefly great. touches on how that because is how do you know if something is, it just seems like it is to you. Right. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was so interesting because to have a word for to be is like a lot of arrogance about that. We can really understand how the universe works. And I don't know if we really do. And in fact, it's to seem because lots of things that throughout history we've taken as established fact, we now don't think are true. You Mm -hmm. know, like the world was flat or like Pluto was a planet, (laughs) you know, like a million things like where we just we take them as absolute fact. I mean, and he takes it down to a very like basic level. Like, is that tree a tree? You know, which is it or is it a tree because we call it a tree? Yeah. Yeah. Or or would it be there if we weren't looking at it as a tree? Like, yeah, that's the like. So like there's like philosophy in this book like that. But I find it way more palatable than like in like philosophy and crime and punishment. Uh, 
this like this had more story in it and I could take it. And it was just way shorter, let's be honest. But the I was more intrigued by it. I feel like I would have if if Crime and Punishment had been a hundred and sixty seven page novel, I would have liked it more than this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, it's so the, it was of, the five hundred pages. Yeah, that's kind what of punishment's <laughs> downfall was its length. But so yeah. I do think that was really interesting, like the idea of to be versus to seem. So like everything that we know about cultures, about societies, especially ones that don't exist anymore, are really based yeah. on how they seem to us, right. not how they were, because nobody but people living in that culture could really say who they were and even then nobody in that culture could really say how things were except for in relation to their own experience and not in relation to anybody else's Mm -hmm. because really in reality we're stuck in our own heads we have no always yeah yeah and these like indigenous cultures they don't have a witness Mm -hmm. they were completely wiped out in an era when nobody thought it was important to record who or what they were and how they lived at all yeah and so it's like there's how many cultures like that in the history of the world? So many, right? We ha- They have no witness. Even cultures that tried to record their own story, but it's been lost, you know? Uh, that, I will say that that, the name of this book is a really great name for this book. Yes. Like, yeah, it even though it's hardly. Really well titled. Yeah, and it's like only really used that word, like in that passage that I read, but it's, it's the perfect title for this yeah. book. No, it is the perfect title for this book, and it just, it means it on so many levels. So that's really cool. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on, so two books ago, we read A World for Julius, also from a South American author. And in that episode, we said, we didn't put it on the list and we said, oh, we, we, I feel like there's going to be more South American literature on the list. And I wonder if it'll, you know, it'll be the same as this mm-hmm. or different. So do you feel like, so that was from Peru. This is from Argentina. I like the this same, one better. I like this one better too. Julius. Do you think it has some of the same in it or is it completely different or does it have the same tone or the same I something? I don't know. I see a lot of the same tone. I think, I don't think that they're really comparable because I think that they're completely different kinds of literature. Yeah, I think they're in different genres. Um, Which makes it hard to compare yeah. them. I did, while I didn't like this book, I did like this book better than Julius. Yes, I liked it better than Julius. And then again, if Julius had been 167 pages, I would have liked it more. The problem with that book was that it was too too long. I still think I would have liked this one better than Julius, even if Julius... No, because I really liked the idea of the first section of Julius. Like, if it had yeah. cut off after I think section I, yeah. one. I think I would have liked this one better, even if Julius was sh- shorter. Because uh, I, I think like, I like this one gives me more to think about than Julius did. I like that this is a conversation I never would have thought of having. Like, which book would I like more if the book was only 167 pages? If, if you take out the structural issues, right? If it's just about the tone and the yeah. meaning and behind it and the story. I still think I would have liked this one... The witness more <laughs> i would have liked julius more um, if it was just that first section yeah and i think it's because the themes in this book i feel like i haven't read as much the themes in julius i feel like True. i've read more places um but i but i do uh, to me what they have in common even though I'm, they're obviously both translations from spanish i think that there's like a a lyricalness mm-hmm. in the writing that um is similar like they, the flow of both of them and the like mm-hmm. richness of the language um remind they remind me of each other for that reason even if i like hadn't known they're both south american authors they have that similarity mm-hmm. yeah and i um this one i 
again, it's a good translation. I think that there's just some really good translators from Spanish to yeah, or it's just it's an easier translation mm-hmm. because when we read, we've read two books translated from Italian, and they both were like great translations. Mm-hmm. I think it's just some languages are just easier. Yeah. Um, the flow is more simple versus like the one we read that was in Turkish. Or I think romance languages in general are probably easy to. Yeah, so like Spanish, French, yeah, yeah, because we read Pierre and Jean, and that was from the French, and that also wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't have noticed that it was a translation. And um, around the world in eighty days. Oh yeah, yeah. I keep thinking that guy's British, but just the character is British. (laughs) Every time I forget that that book is French. Decided he is British. Yep, Jules Verne, a very French name. (laughs) Um, man, (laughs) that's bad. Um, well, do you have any final thoughts on the witness before we vote? No. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, all right. So I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this one. No, I think you're wrong. We're going to agree. I just, my reasoning is going to be very different than yours. Oh, all right. Well, I'll, let's go. One, two, three. Yes. yes. It should be on the list. I think it should be on the list. I think that the ideas about culture and how we create our like sense of self and our identity and how that's constructed and what that means and how it would have been different if we had been in a different culture or at a different time is a really good idea a cool idea and I don't think I've seen it presented like this before Mm -hmm. um and in such a brief way that's really like I got it um I didn't like the book, though. I would like to clarify. I'm putting it on the list, but I don't like the book. So fair is fair, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to people to read. Um, Especially not when they're eating lunch, like I was when I read the cannibalism scene. <laughs> but I do, or trying to read it in a school and you're reading a book that has scenes of children or not scenes. It wasn't like explicit. Let me be clear. It's not like it's like mentions. Yeah. Mentions of, of like children being engaged in a sexual activity. I was just like, this is really inappropriate. I have to put this <laughs> book away. Um, but I do think it belongs on the list. Yeah. It's a yes for me because I like the fable, like that genre. I feel like this is a goodly good example of it and agree with what you said about identity and stuff. Um, and I feel like it's, of what we've read so far, it's a good representation of Latin American literature mm-hmm. um, that is accessible. I, I agree that I probably wouldn't recommend it to a casual reader who reads like, you know, 12 books a year and wants to read things that are really like bestsellers, you know, that, or like really this is a person for, for someone who wants to think about the philosophy of it and mm-hmm. like goes into it like read the wikipedia article about this book and then read the book like to have some context because if you were just like this is a great story it would not make any sense and it would yeah. be the weirdest recommendation but if you were like this would really make you think like it's a fable then i then i like for the certain kind of reader who reads more voraciously i think it would work well and i yeah and i think that Part of the reason that made me, because it was a close call for me, I think that part of the reason was that quote that I read, that, like, I think I'm going to think of that quote. Yes. Again. And um, we've been talking about how after a certain number of books, we're going to need to go back and make sure we still agree with our yes or no decisions, because there is one book in particular that we maybe feel we should have put on the list because we're still talking about it and thinking about it. Um, right. So I think we're going to do that like every 20 books or yeah. so and kind of a refresh because one thing that you get a book on the list is if it really sticks with you. Yeah. And so while I don't think like the plot part of this book is going to stick with me, 
and I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> I do think that that, like, the quote and, like, the overall general, like, goal of the book will, which mm-hmm. means to me that it deserves to be on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. All so, right. there we go. Before we move on to our next segment, I just, you, when you're mentioning the quote, I meant to say that there was a quote in Still Me that I want to like, write into my, like, quote journal about, oh, li- yeah. about libraries, because there was kind of a background plot about, like, a library that they were fighting to get not closed in New York City, and, um, and one, one of the characters is, like, um, talks about how, like, like books reading is like how you learn empathy and mm-hmm. when you close a library you're like shutting down hope oh. and I was like oh this is so good I have to write this down that is a good one. <laughs> um okay so I thought for our next segment we could talk a little bit about if we are like completionists when it comes to books um or do we stop in the middle if we can't get into it do we stick it out um what is is there a book that you've quit recently or that you remember quitting that was memorable what about you do you if you start a book and it's not your not for you do you finish it no matter what um I would say most of the time yes I do sometimes put down books if I'm not in the mood for them like I've been doing the last week where Mm -hmm. I'll like start it and I'm like "Eh, no no but I very rarely do I not eventually finish a book um because I'm really OCD and I don't like the idea that I didn't finish it. I even like have a hard time putting down series where I like don't like the books in them. <laughs> like, let me, this is a really good example of this. Like the Pretty Little Liar series. I think all those books are trash. I've only <laughs> read the first like three, but like I had to physically in my head be like, if more than two books in the series is less than two stars <laughs> for you. You don't have to finish the series. Yeah. Because I'm just so like. Yeah. I don't like the idea of not having finished something. Um, so I will usually slog through. It might take me a long time. Like I might read a chapter and then read a book and then read a chapter and then read a book. Um, but I usually finish books. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's pretty rare for me to stop in the middle of a book, um, maybe just like one a year even, um, but not particularly because I feel compelled to finish them, but just that I curate my to be read list with a detailed eye and I know what I like. That's and so also true. it's rare for me to get a book out that I um, just like turn out not to like. Um, and but I don't really have that compulsion to like to finish. I don't I don't think. However, um, things that will get me to stop reading a book, which I mentioned this on the podcast before, I don't even remember the name of the book, but I started a book not that long ago that was about the Civil War, and it was about slavery, and it was kind of romanticizing it, and then I saw it was by a white guy, and I was like, nope, I don't want to read books that romanticize slavery by white people. I want to read books about the, you know, the realness of it. So that's one. And then another memorable one that lots and lots of people like that I stopped maybe last year was um, Never Let Me Go by Katsuo Ishiguro. Which I like this book. Which I read probably 70% of that book before I stopped. Because I just like read like most of it in like one sitting. And then I was just like, ugh. And I never picked it up again. I just took it back to the library. Even though I was really close to finishing it. Huh. And I really love, that's a dystopian book. Mm-hmm. And I love dystopian books. But, and I, the, from the back cover, it looked like it was so for me. But I just found it so boring. And just like that the characters weren't compelling. And I don't know. What did you like about it? I just liked um, the idea of, like, what – I didn't think it was a long time ago that I read it. I thought it was an, in, an intriguing premise, and I really liked yeah. the premise of the novel. And I didn't think the follow-through was bad. Like, I liked it. I don't remember any specifics, but I remember liking it. I think it has 
three out of five stars on my Goodreads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the premise was interesting, too. I just maybe it was like the writing style. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And so I did stop that one, even though I was very far along in it. But I can't even those are the only two I can think of that I've stopped in like the last two years. The thing is, is that some books that I probably would have stopped have been podcast books. And therefore, I have been compelled to finish them because we're going to talk about them. I mean, we're going to be honest. I never would have finished Life is a Caravan Sarai. No. And I never would have read Crime and Punishment. Um, I wouldn't. I might have been able to push myself through crime and punishment. I mean, it took five weeks when we were working on a deadline. If you just had like a free for all to read it whenever you felt well, like it, once I, just, <laughs> I, once I, I discovered have. the audio book, it wasn't bad. Oh yeah, you did do the audio. I, I should have done that. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't have finished Life as a Caravanserai. Um, definitely not. I don't think I would have finished From Whom the Bell Tolls. <laughs> like, like classics, like big classics, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, but. So this podcast is teaching me that sometimes it is worth it to push through because I definitely have liked some yeah. of those books that I probably would have stopped under other circumstances. Um, though, yeah, I feel like if I get bogged down and it's taking a long time for me to read it, if it wasn't for the podcast, I would stop. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I think that that is good because I'm a real, real talk here. I'm a procrastinator in real life. So this podcast is doing Real good things for my, like, I need to finish things on time. <laughs> I mean, I do finish the books the day of the podcast literally every single time. I do that, like, half the time. But um, it is good because it's kind of some, like, management skills of, like, I have a reason to read this book. I need to finish it. Um, and I think it's affected the way I'm reading other books, too. So uh, the way I'm pacing my books, the way I'm choosing them mm-hmm. has created some better habits these last two weeks, like, as non-withstanding because this is just normal normal March blahs. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, we've talked about it before, but it's totally, yeah, it's totally made me, like, change my pacing and my mm-hmm. other reading, too, and it's, like, double the pace at which I'm reading everything yeah. just to, like, squeeze in other books that aren't these ones, and these ones take a long time. Um, yeah, that is definitely so true. So there is that, and I mean, I think that it's really good um, to have a reason to finish book, or I... This isn't a really well thought out idea I was talking about. I think that it's fine if you are someone who stops books or if you are someone who is not. But I I like knowing why I do that, like my motivation Mm -hmm. behind it. Yeah. And I think if you're someone who reads 12 books a year, then for God's sake, put it down. If you don't like it, there's a million wonderful books out there. If you're someone who reads 100 books a year, push it. I don't know. Then then I think read outside of your typical genres and see what's out there. And then you might discover things that you do or don't like and quit the things that you don't like, you know, or like, I don't know. I am so mad and I know it'll catch up in summer because I always catch up in summer, but I was on track for my 120 books this year and now I'm two books behind. Wow. How do you have that figured out so specifically? Because 120 (laughs) books a year would be 10 books every month, right? Yeah. And and Goodreads mm, tracks it for you by weeks. Yeah. I feel like I'm on my most ever is like 70 something and I think I'm on track for 100. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to. I think you can make up two books. (laughs) Two books. That's it's only March. (laughs) But I've been on track all year long. And then this week has killed me. And I haven't. I mean, to be fair. I haven't marked the witness yet. Okay, so, so technically one, I'm book. Only one book. Behind. Yeah, <laughs> and it's only the end of March when we're recording this. I think you have some time to make it up. <laughs> oh yeah, we've talked a lot about March, even though this episode's not going to come. It's going to come out in April. April. But hey, you know we have to have time to read these books, readers. It takes a lot of time, so we have to yeah. plan ahead. We're usually like three or four books ahead of the podcast publishing kind of schedule, just because. Life happens sometimes and we need that cushion. Yeah. What yeah. if what if you get the flu because two of your children from school are in the hospital with the flu yeah. right now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This year's flu is no joke. Wash your hands. 
use hand sanitizer. The flu will probably be over by April. But I literally yeah, at it's one late point already. today yeah. had a third of my classes gone. Yeah, I feel like it's coming through your school really late in flu season. I mean, it is the plague, and yeah. I'm not happy yeah. about it. <laughs> All right, well, should we draw our book for next time? Yes, we should. Okay. Our book for book 18 is called Waiting for the Dark, Waiting for the Light. Ooh, ominous title. <laughs> I think it's going to be boring because there's a lot of waiting. <laughs> That's that's great. Uh, I feel like it's going to be about the dark and the light and in humanity, you know, it's like all these books are. I hope <laughs> Basically, every one of these books is about that. I hope it's told through a narrative. That would make me very happy. <laughs> and you hope it has chapters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have do. a feeling it's going to be pretty philosophical because it, Waiting for the Dark, Waiting for the Light is a pretty philosophical title. Or it's going to be like a long lost lovers type story Ooh, i could get down with that we haven't really had any like romances the age, I, of, innocence, age of innocence kind of but even but it wasn't like a fulfilled love story no yeah which is fine i'm fine with it not being fulfilled yeah long deep reason. longing over a lifetime um, <laughs> well i don't think you can hear this but my kitten is having a meltdown in the background so clearly it is time for us to end our podcast yes so if you let us know if you always have to complete the books you start yes you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at 1001 books pod and on litzy at 1001 books podcast which is a really awesome booked centered ty- instagram type social media which i highly recommend if you're a book you lover you can also email us at a thousand one books podcast at gmail.com yes so yeah let us know and also if you have any books that you think half people have to read before they die we're we're making a collection to talk about on a future episode so let us know also i was just thinking about this if you have any books that we haven't put on the list that you we've read that you have read and you think deserve to be on the list let us know your reason because when we get to that episode if, where we kind of reevaluate our decisions it'd be good to know yeah in three think. episodes we will be reevaluating the first 20 so woo, woo. <laughs> all, right, all right well we'll see you next week until then happy, happy reading, reading.